You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning. Welcome to Thursday's Cork Today. Lines are open. Always one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie standing by, taking your comments across the show. You can always text or indeed WhatsApp to zero eight six two one zero three one zero three, and of course email Cork Today at c one zero three Ahead on the program, following more heavy rain this week, we're going to hear a call for further emergency funds to be made available to Cork County Council, and this is to deal with the fallout of recent severe weather impacts on Cork's roadways and a lot of the roadways we are talking about can be secondary routes whereby with more people now working from home those secondary roads are used a lot more and we have received reports of roadways where there is huge potholes at the side of the road going towards the dike of the ditch falling apart and that is due to the heavy rain flowing on those roads over the last number of weeks also our main routes do need to be upgraded and indeed tackled as well following the rainfall as you will have noticed they have deteriorated a lot over the last few weeks so uh, with all of that in mind Cork South West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan he's calling for this to be given at the Cork County Council he'll join us shortly on the show your views are welcome or do you know or are you aware of roads in your area that could do with this emergency funds that should be made available to Cork County Council to deal with those road networks you can let us know your area and, and where you feel the money could be invested and spent on those roads a text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we were lucky yesterday evening that Storm Kiron, as it made its way across most of Europe, it did not do the damage that could have been expected over Ireland. And really, there no one knew the path of this storm earlier in the week. But thankfully, it just brushed off us on the south coast here of Cork. And while we had rain, the rainfalls were nothing like what we saw earlier this week even. And indeed, last week and the week before, which caused so much flooding right across Cork. Cork City and County. And while we escaped it here, parts of France, England and indeed the Channel Islands, they're still at the moment being battered by winds of more than 100 miles an hour there. And at the moment, in the last uh, hour or so, there's been a major incident declared in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, with hundreds of schools being closed there. Uh, Flooding expected mainly over the south coast of England and those regions, but also uh, three people were hospitalised and 40 others have been moved to safety in Jersey and there's a a big impact on the Channel Islands in France then uh, some parts of France saw winds last night and yesterday evening of up to 150 kilometres an hour Uh, so we did escape the worst of it here in Ireland as it just moved aside from us but has uh, hit the Channel Islands south of England and indeed France getting the big impact this morning also later on the programme we're going to hear from Threshold. They are calling for an NCT-style system for housing, and this would ensure they feel that accommodation standards are met as more tenants, it would seem now, are living in poor quality accommodation. And when we say poor quality accommodation, what do we mean? Well, a lot of it is to do with mould and dampness in homes, apartments, whereby proper insulation and proper facilities are not in place that are leading to this, and they feel this needs to be looked into. It's also causing health problems for a lot of tenants, and I 
suppose the reason this is uh, being brought up now, we know that more people are renting as they wait to buy a home. So with more people in the rental system, uh, these issues are coming to the fore more and more over the next while. We speak with Threshold this morning. And energy and gas price cuts all come into effect this month. But we are still paying a lot more despite all of these cuts. We're going to chat with switcher.ie on this one. And also interesting this morning, the energy regulator, they have warned that some people, not all now, but some people out there are using the winter moratoriums on power disconnections uh, to basically run up large bills and they have no intention of paying for these bills. They describe it that they're playing a game on the system and the regulator has told that then the ordinary customers, so a lot of us who save money or who we heard yesterday from one man who will probably ring the electricity company and organise a payment plan so he can pay his electricity and people that do go out of their way to try their best, even though the bills are high, they, they will and want to pay uh, their energy bills and they come up with various methods and they'll save money and do what they can. But it's these ordinary customers, they're the ones that end up suffering because as the debts occur on the companies, it's the customers who are paying their bills end up paying higher prices because of these people who decide that they'll play a game. They know they can't be disconnected. They run up huge bills, never pay them. They may have the money to pay these bills, but they just have no intention of paying the bills. Uh, but it's the ordinary person who is scrimping and saving and working and doing whatever they can to save those bi- to save money to pay those bills are the ones who are hit because what happens, the companies aren't going to lose out for this. So we all pay a higher price by various measures that they put on our bills. So we'll discuss that as well this morning. Morning. And we're going to look ahead to the Cork Kerry Food Market, which returns to Cork City Hall this weekend. We have some fantastic food producers right across the southwest of this island. And in Cork alone, we know, and we, this show has broadcast from the Taste of West Cork uh, Food Festival in Skibbereen. And we've met so many food producers in the West Cork region, the McCroom Food Festival, uh, where again, fantastic amount of producers uh, in the Mid Cork region and then in North Cork with the Racing Home for Easter Festival. In Mala, we've met people from all over various parts of North and East Cork who have provided samples of their produce to us. Uh, and even that a lot of those would have come from the West and South Limerick areas also. And then uh, in East Cork, uh, with the taste of East Cork Festival, Middleton, Yall, uh, I mean, Ballymaloo, all those areas, Shanagari, really providing some great produce. So when you put all of Cork together, along with so many areas in the city and indeed in South Cork as well, uh, it does. And of course, as it is the Cork Kerry Food Market, I'm sure a lot of you over the years would have paid a visit to Dingle to their food festival as well. If you're a foodie. So if you are a foodie, you will love this event. Uh, the Cork Kerry Food Market is going ahead again this year in Cork City Hall, C103, involved in this one and we'll hear more about what you can expect this weekend at City Hall later in the programme. And after 12.30 as it is Thursday, we'll have pet advice with Jane. Jane is along after 12.30 so if you have a question for Jane, if there's a pet in your household you have a query on, you can get in contact with us. You can call Bernie 0818 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. So that and more to come between now and one and something that uh, came out news-wise yesterday afternoon and if we don't get to this today, we certainly will tomorrow on the show. But uh, this is how, and I'd like to hear your views on this, how older patients who were fit for discharge but are still occupying uh, beds, hospital beds, will no longer be able to remain in the hospital. And what will happen is they will be moved to a nursing home 
Now, before it would be a nursing home of their, of their choice if it became available, what will happen now, it seems, is that they'll be moved out of the hospital and moved to a nursing home wherever a place becomes vacant. The nursing home could be further away from the hospital and a lot of, uh, a good bit away from where they're living. Uh, but that's not something the HSC are looking into. Basically, they want to free up beds and that's the end of the story uh, because the HSC say this is a part of a new drive to reduce hospital overcrowding and free up beds. They want to reduce the trolley crisis this winter. A circular from the HSC uh, was issued to all hospital managers right across the country and it seems that there are around 500 beds occupied at any one time by patients and they're known as delayed discharges who no longer have to be there but need a step-down care or a step-down facility. And in many cases, this can be a nursing home. But at the same time, as hospitals struggled then with over 500 patients on a trolley uh, who were then waiting for those beds, they said they need to action this this coming winter. So uh, it's going to apply to patients who were approved for the Fair Deal scheme and also those who need a nursing home, uh, maybe only for a week or two, uh, while more long-term health plans are being agreed in by the family. Uh, so your views on this are welcome. What we can take from this is if someone is in CUH, and that's an example we're going to give here for Cork, and they were quite ill, they're making progress, they're better, but they have to remain because they do need uh, care 24-7. Uh, instead of them remaining in CUH, and when they are fully recovered, they will go back home, they then will be placed in a nursing home. The thing is, it could be someone from Clonakilty within CUH and they could be placed in a nursing home in Formoy, for example. Now, they're just examples I'm giving, but it's a long drive from Clonakilty to Formoy every day if you want to see uh, your loved one. And that's the possibility that could happen with this. Are they right? Because it will reduce the amount of waiting times in hospitals, they say anyway, you'd have less on trolleys, more beds available. Uh, so there, are the HSC right to do this? Or do you think it's unfair uh, that they are moving people around like this and really moving them away uh, from where their loved ones can visit them? Because that scenario or example I gave is what could happen. Anyhow, we might get back to that later in t- today or indeed tomorrow on the show. Your views are welcome on 0862103103 by text or WhatsApp. You can email Cork today at c103.ie. And also your views are welcome on this one. Because a study has suggested that health warnings, uh, like the ones you see on cigarette packets, that they could be used to help reduce meat consumption. Yes, even though Ireland, we produce some of the best uh, meat around, and that is on record right across the world. Uh, Researchers from Durham University in England, they found putting graphics detailing the impact on climate change could also encourage shoppers to find alternatives to meat. And it might reduce people eating red meat because it seems right across Europe and more so in Ireland and in the UK, we eat and consume a lot of red meat and they feel people need to reduce that consumption and it's all to do with climate change. Uh, And your viewers are welcome if they put a health warning, a climate health warning when you go to pick up your uh, meat, whatever it is, in the shop that there will be Something like you see in the cigarette packets. Now, they're very graphic on the cigarette packets because that's a total different situation. That's more or less protecting your lungs and the impact that can have on your health. But this would be a climate impact and it would be like a traffic light system, more or less saying that uh, this cut of meat will do so much to the climate or will be bad for the climate. Uh, Do you agree with that? And how would the farming community feel about having climate warnings on meat sold uh, in shops, and I presume also within butchers, your views are welcome on that across the morning. Bernie taking your calls on 0818 103 103, or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. 
And uh, I saw uh, an article earlier on this morning, but it's something we have seen here in Cork. And I see a text in from Mary who has concerns, but I think a lot of people would say we already had this happening in the uh, Cork Diocese of Diocese of Cork and Ross and Klein. This is how Sunday Mass in every church in a parish. It's in the area of Kilmore, uh, but they are saying that they'll no longer have Mass every weekend and they are starting to begin a new era. And it's seemingly as we know, due to the declining numbers of vocations and less priests in this diocese and with the number of priests retiring, they have to go down this road. Also, they feel demographic changes that means that Mass won't be celebrated in each local church every weekend and there's a possibility that the people will be going to Mass in neighbouring churches or indeed viewing it online via live streaming services which became popular over the last two to three years. And I suppose we're used to that here in Cork because over the last year they've introduced the family of parishes in many areas whereby that is what happens. You'll have Mass in one church one weekend and then the following weekend it could be in a church nearby. Times have changed as well. So the same Mass times you would have grown up with are now a lot different and people are looking at Mass online rather than physically going to the church. So it probably has happened here in Cork already. And for Mary in Formoy who says, will this happen here? Uh, I think it will happen everywhere because if you don't have new priests coming through, uh, that's basically what is going to happen. And, you know, it is already happening here in Cork and now other areas are following. Uh, But while all that's going on, people need to be thankful. And you need to be grateful because if you are grateful for everything in your life and for people in your life, seemingly this could reduce your risk of having a heart attack. And this study is by Irish researchers and they suggest that uh, when they spoke to around 900 people within this study, that those people who are thankful for what they have in their life, and that could be a good job or it could be they have a roof over their heads or they could be happy with the variety of people they hang around with and could be happy with their family. Uh, that they live longer and that they're most likely not to have a heart attack in the next four to nine years. So today's motto, be thankful and have plenty of gratitude. When I spoke there about what the HSC is proposing on relieving and freeing up beds in hospitals this winter by those who they feel are staying too long and they're known as delayed discharges, mainly older people that they'll be transferred to nursing homes uh, while they get their aftercare there rather than uh, taking up a bed in the hospital. Well, on this, Connor is saying on that very issue, he says older people uh, who have worked so hard in this country, it's awful to think that we have prisoners, says Connor, who were in prison and can be moved to a location nearer to their loved ones. But yet our hospitals are going to move our loved ones to nursing homes that may be far away and in areas where they are not familiar with or don't know anyone. Are we gone to a stage in this country, says Connor, where we are treating our prisoners who are in there for a certain reason because they have committed a crime? So are we treating those in prison better than our older people? Shame, says Connor on text to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. Cork South West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan is calling for further emergency funds to be made available to Cork County Council to deal with the fall out of the recent severe weather on our roads across Cork. And Christopher joins me this morning. Good morning to you. 
page up on. Uh, similar storms have impacted areas like Ross Carberry, Christopher, as we know, in August of 2020. And at that time, monies were allocated. Are you calling now for a similar response again following the flooding that occurred over the last number of weeks? And again, the heavy rain we had earlier this week, because when I mentioned we were discussing this this morning, a number of calls and texts have come in with different areas around uh, Cork City and County where roads have fallen into disrepair. Yeah, that's exactly it, John Paul. And look, can I just say at the outset that um, clearly, for over the last number of weeks, you know, my heart goes out to the people of Middleton, in particular uh, East Cork, Glanmire, um, all the areas that have been seriously impacted uh, by Storm Babbitt first and, and and the heavy rainfall since. You know, um, and it's my understanding actually since there's, there's been a development since they originally made this call for um, emergency funding um, that. The Minister Jack Chambers has written out to uh, area engineers in the East Cork area, which is really important, um, to identify the roads uh, that are worst impacted, the bridges, the infrastructure that are worst impacted by the heavy rainfall and by the flooding. Uh, and he, and uh, an emergency fund will be uh, made available to this area. So I think that's really, really welcome news. Um, and it's really important. What I'm asking really is that absolutely we, we look after those priority areas in East Cork, but um, areas like West Cork, uh, and I'm driving around the constituency um, regularly uh, on constituency work, and there almost isn't a local or regional road that hasn't been impacted, that isn't holding surface water, that isn't deteriorating. And what will happen, and you'll see happen over the next couple of weeks, is that you'll see further deterioration as um, the full extent of the damage is exposed. Uh, and we are going to have to see emergency funding. It's been well highlighted, and I've highlighted on your show already, that uh, Cork, unfortunately, gets €1,000 less per kilometre kilometer uh, than average, uh, this is a really important opportunity to, to, to rectify that. And when you mention regional roads, a lot of the calls we've got this morning, and many of our listeners make very valid points over the last number of years, people now are working from home. So those secondary roads that were, were used, but not as much uh, that, as compared to what they are over the last two or three years, because they're used more and because of the heavy rain, they've now fallen into disrepair uh, maybe quicker than they would have. So for those secondary roads, outside of the main roads that maybe the TII may be responsible for with the council, will they receive money? Uh, usually it's always the the bigger roads we, we see being resurfaced, will the smaller roads now be uh, included in this? That's it, and, and, and that's uh, partly, again, the reason that I'm calling for this emergency fund is because we've done this before. We've, we've, there's precedent for this. Uh, we've been here before. Uh, you remember, uh, and, and your show, John Paul excellently covered the uh, disastrous floods of, of uh, 2020. You know, I think it was August 2020 when Bantry Town in particular was hit, but at the same time you had roads in around Ross Carberry uh, Glandor, parts of Skibbereen that were essentially just washed away. They they were gone. Uh, and I remember uh, after that standing on, on a road near John Big Stone Circle in Glandor, uh, which would be a local road, um, where uh, the road was, was had vanished essentially. Uh, and after that, in fairness, um, the, the, the T-shirt at the time, Mel Martin and uh, Michael McGrath, who was then Minister for Public Expenditure, they came up with a €5 million Euro fund to, to fix those roads. And that's exactly what we're looking for here. There's precedent here. It is those local and regional roads, those roads that tend to get uh, neglected, unfortunately, because there's just such an extent of, of, of road network in Cork. Um, they're the ones, this is a great opportunity to rectify uh, that that alarming stat that Cork just does not get the same level of funding for roads as other counties. Here's a chance to rectify that. Absolutely. We The focus must, of course, be on East Cork in terms of those serious infrastructural damage that was done in flooding. But trust me, John Paul, when I say already the roads uh, are in bad condition, we're seeing 
uh, potholes, crumbling uh, road surface uh, appear uh, on a daily basis now here in West Cork. Um, there's a chance to rectify that. And, and as I said, unfortunately, we know how these things work. They're only going to get worse as weeks go on. Uh, when those first frosts come, etc., and we see further crumbling of the roads, uh, it's going to get worse. So let's nip it in the bud. And, and what I'm asking for is something similar to 2020, where in, at that point, area engineers, Cork County Council was written out to say, asking the area engineers to compile their list of uh, the dam- roads that were damaged uh, the most. Uh, I'm looking for a similar response here, that the area engineers, who already are aware of, of a lot of the damage that's been done, they will compile those lists, and that the locals out there, the community out there, would get in touch with their area engineer's office, identify those roads that are, are crumbling or that have been worst impacted, so that the engineers can compile a list and, and seek that funding. And, and are you confident, Christopher, when you mentioned the monies that were available in 2020 will be made available again this year because uh, you just touched on the investment that Cork does not get on a national level. I mean, yesterday I had one of your Fianna Fáil councillors asking uh, for the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, to be removed from his role. That was Councillor Pat Hayes in Mallow because there a lot of the councillors in Mallow and locals and business people aren't happy that money wasn't allocated for a relief road that would tra- take the heavy uh, traffic out of Mallow Town Centre. Uh, so when they can't get money for a much needed project that would also reduce pollution levels in Mallow, uh, will they look at investing in road repairs? I totally understand uh, Pat's frustration. Uh, and, and, you know, I was on your show a number of weeks ago where I echoed that frustration and that it, it is high time that Cork started getting um, the appropriate amount of funding for our roads. I do see an opportunity here, though, John Paul. Uh, my Fianna Fáil party colleague, Jack Chambers, uh, is now in the Department of Transport as well. He's uh, just uh, he's in there since the start of the year. He was a former um, uh, uh, government whip. Yeah, uh, but even as Jack is in that, uh, that, that role now as Minister of State, yesterday, Councillor uh, Hayes was making the point they have spoken to him, but still nothing changed. So, I mean, would you go as far as saying and agreeing with Pat that the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, does now need to be moved away from the role of transport? He can stay a minister, but just move out of the transport role so that we can have the infrastructure in place that will bring jobs and repair roads that leads to better road safety. I can understand Pat's frustration. Uh, certainly, uh, as someone who's a member of a government party, I don't think you're going to get me to go that far, but I can totally understand the, the, the frustration. I felt that frustration myself. There are many projects in West Cork that I would love to see uh, further progress. I'm thinking things like the bypass for abandoned, which is badly, badly needed. Uh, there's the national road, the N71, which is our, our heartway to West Cork, our main route, has been completely neglected and underfunded for years. And there is a frustration there that the, I'm pushing these projects on a daily basis, like the realignment of New Mill, to make the roads safer. And that's the big thing here, is to make it safer uh, so that we can reduce the amount of accidents on our roads. Um, and there's frustration in terms of the level of investment. I'm trying desperately to change that. But I do see an opportunity with the Minister of State, Jack Chambers, who, in fairness, uh, as soon as the, um, uh, the, the road infrastructure was crumbling in East Cork and we saw that excessive flooding, he was down there, he was on the ground, he saw the damage, and we expect very shortly that he will be announcing an emergency package to repair those roads in East Cork. And what I'm asking for, and I will be talking to Jack and the Dáil resumes next week, is that that funding is then further extended to West Cork. We don't have the same level of damage as we experienced in 2020 and that roads haven't been completely washed away yet, but we are seeing our road network crumbling. And here's an opportunity under the guise of emergency funding because of the incredible amounts of rainfall that we've seen in October, absolutely 
record amounts of rainfall, way above average, that we respond appropriately and we use this opportunity to get our, our regional local roads back into... Uh, yeah, uh, and as you mentioned, ahead of the winter weather, which is going to bring more rain and frost, unfortunately, but you still would be happy uh, with the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, to stay in his role, unlike your Fianna Fáil colleague. What I'd say on that is that I'm, I am as frustrated, I'm very frustrated in terms of uh, repeated calls to get funding for national local roads. Um, not calling for any heads to jump all on alive on the airways. I think that would be uh, disingenuous. Uh, and, and, you know, there is a whole spirit of cooperation here. But I totally understand the frustration I felt in myself. And that's why uh, I'm working with my party colleague, Jack Chambers, to try and rectify that and get, and get money down to roads. OK, uh, before I let you go there, Christopher, I did mention this at the start of the programme outside of roads. If this is the HSC, you might be aware of this, who have sent out a new policy to their hospital managers right across the country. Uh, this is to reduce the, the amount of occupied beds they have within the hospital over the winter periods and all hospitals over the winter period. And those who are known as delayed discharges, these are people who need step-down care, mainly older people, that they'd now be placed in a nursing home, but that nursing home could be anywhere. And I gave an example earlier of they could be from Clonakilty within CUH and then they could be moved to a nursing home just for example in Formoy. Uh, what's your view on that because people are quite upset this morning that that may happen over the winter period to their loved yeah. ones. First of all I can understand the upset but I can actually understand the rationale here as well because this isn't necessarily new John Paul. Uh, nursing homes uh, already do have HSC stepped on beds in them uh, and I use the example for example in Riverstick the nursing home there has a number of HSC beds that are used as step-down care. So the principle is, is, is sound in that you have people who are fit enough uh, to be moved out of um, acute care or emergency care uh, in, in our emergency hospitals such as CUH, etc. Um, uh, but they still need that level of care after that, that, that step-down care. Another perfect example of where it does work is in our community hospital here in Clannacilty, where we also have a number of step-down beds. And it allows people in those situations. And, you know, it must be said, I, I've paid many visits to Clinic Kilty Hospital and I remember seeing patients from East Cork, from, from North Cork, from parts of the city. Um, but they were very happy with the level of care they were getting. I totally understand the frustration, though. Uh, you used a perfect example there of, let's say, a person in, in Clinic Kilty uh, who was from Clinic Kilty, who was in care in DUH, is uh, then identified as a stepped-on bed, maybe somewhere in East Cork or North Cork in, in a nursing home. That will cause frustration amongst the families. There's rationale to it. I think where possible, it has to be done in such a way that the uh, person who is placed in a step-down bed in a nursing home is placed as close to their locality as possible. But unfortunately, as we know, with the pressure uh, on our health system and the pressure on, on beds, that's not always going to be the case. So I think my message to the HSC would be that every effort has to be made where possible to locate someone when they're in a step-down bed. But the principle, I must say, is good in hospitals and the level of care that they get then get in the nursing homes is also is also excellent uh, and I, I know people who have gone through that process John Paul and who have been very happy with that process but you're right about the geography that really does need to be taken into account. Yeah I think it's the geography more than what they're yeah. actually doing is the big concern for people and maybe more so here in Cork given the size of the county that you know you, you could be down the road for two hours now a lot yeah, of that again is yeah, to do with our road network uh, but you could be on the yeah. road for two hours trying to go and visit your loved one and I think that's where uh, listeners are coming from this morning on that I have to leave it there Christopher but thank, thank you, you for joining us this morning uh, that is Fianna Fáil Cork South West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan your views are welcome on those issues on 0818 103 103 Bernie take your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 
103103. Court today on C103. An NC's T-style system for housing would ensure accommodation standards are met as more people rent and more tenants are living, it seems, anyhow, in poor quality accommodation. This is the latest from a report from Threshold and John Mark McCafferty, Threshold CEO, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, John Mark. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Uh, your latest report, it does highlight queries from tenants. And as I mentioned, more people now are renting due to the, I suppose, the hardship of trying to get a mortgage and then trying to afford to buy a property. So with more tenants, uh, we are seeing more low standards in housing. Uh, what are you hearing from people about these standards? Sure. So, I mean, Threshold, as the, the national housing charity specialising in the private rented sector, we, we do a quarterly uh, report. So from July to September, we found that... Um, um, there was seven percent of all of those queries from that time concerning standards of accommodation, and that's um, that's up substantially from the previous quarter, which in which it was only four and a half percent. And the kind of issues that are coming up there in relation to standards are, you know, things like mould, broken heating systems, um, dampness, inadequate ventilation, poor insulation. Um, and people struggling to heat their home financially because of the, the recent cost and increase in, in energy costs, coupled with the, the ongoing increase in, in rent costs. Um, and yet, you know, there are standards in law uh, for um, rented properties. Um, and, you know, things like the interior and exterior of a, of a property must be in a good state of structural repair. Toilet and shower facilities need to be in good working order, safe and properly insulated. There must be proper heating facilities, rooms must have ad- adequate ventilation, and there must be adequate facilities to store rubbish and adequate to gas, oil and electricity installations where, where relevant. So um, there are a, there's a baseline of standards for, for people, and yet, um, unfortunately, they're not being met in, in a number of cases, particularly in the private rented sector. Um, and it, it's a sector where, as you say, more people are renting than they were um, 10, 20 years ago. More people are spending more of their lives and you know, having families and raising children within the private rented sector. So the quality of that housing is really, really important. And indeed, you know, standards need to be met because poor conditions can cause or exacerbate both physical and mental health problems, physical problems like asthma. But also it has been proven that, um, you know, living in a cold, damp home does have um, a negative impact uh, mentally. Um, so it, these are really, really important issues. Um, and that's why we've been advocating for a number of things. One is an overhaul of the existing local authority inspection system. That's required to address uh, big inconsistencies um, between local authorities regarding how they approach those inspections and then the follow-up if uh, an inspection a uh, property fails the inspection and um, there's, there's a big difference in, in practice there um, but we have been advocating for if you like an NCT system for housing where the landlord provides a certificate of fitness uh, following an, ex- an inspection from either a reg- registered building professional or a local authority inspector and, and that isn't for an enhanced set of standards it's just for the existing standards. We're not asking for something, you know, a set of standards that are additional or more. It's it's just to state that I, as a landlord, and this property, it um, we adhere to the existing laws around the standards, and, and we believe that should, over time, assist with the the, the current challenges 
that we see in relation to standards in private rented properties. Yeah, and that they're just basic standards, as you say, and within being basic, I mean, you, you touched there on, on legal requirements. Landlords have that requirement, don't they, by law, to make sure the accommodation they rent out is reasonable and it's fit to live in? They have that requirement, but unfortunately, um, it's not always adhered to. Um, many landlords are excellent, and, and indeed, you know, there, there's a lot of housing stock on the market that that is much improved on 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 what went before. But um, unfortunately, there there remains, um, and we're seeing this this um, this uh, increase in in reports around standards. Uh, so it, it, it is a stubborn issue. Um, and the only way that, um, say, a tenant can have recourse then is if they contact the local authority um, and try and um, arrange a, an inspection. Um, but, you know, local authority budgets for inspections are low. Um, the extent to which they inspect uh, private rented properties is only a, a very small share of the overall market in any given uh, year. They can take, uh, the, the tenant can take a, a case to the RTB if they you know, if they have approached the the landlord and the landlord has not done nothing to improve those standards, but that's you know that process usually happens when the the relationship is kind of broken down between the tenant and the landlord. And, and with regarding the NCT system, do we know any other country that runs this type of system? Uh, because I know Canada looked at something similar in the past, but it was more to do with the cost of running a property and, and insulation and, and heating costs. Uh, can you take example from anywhere else in the world that have looked at this or done this? Well, there are a few different approaches. Um, and one of the things, I guess, that we don't have in Ireland, which is very unusual, is we don't have a house condition survey. Um, other countries around Europe and, and our nearest neighbours um, have a very regular house condition survey, which gives uh, the authorities and the market a very good picture of the thermal efficiency and those structural standards. All of those things that I've mentioned there that are that are in the um, the Irish standards, um, and and they give an insight into the. Um, if you like uh, a good broad representative sample of, of houses, and that informs um, the, I guess, the understanding of of, of housing, uh, including in the private rented sector. Um, what we're looking for is something a bit different because we don't have that um, house condition survey, mm. and we would we have urged for such a house condition survey. So this is this is um, different, but. It really just um, places the onus um, on the landlord to um, to prove that the um, their property is adhering to existing uh, legislation, existing standards. So um, I think the important thing, and you know, there has, this uh, proposal has generated a lot of interest, um, a lot of debate this week. Um, but I think you know what's really important is to say that you know what. Um, an NCT might um, point to is merely that the the, the property meets those basic standards that, that we mentioned there around structural repair yeah. and, you know, all of those things. Yeah, the things that you would hope anyhow are taken for granted and included in a property. For the moment, I must leave it there, John Mark, but thanks for joining us this morning on the programme.
Thank you, Joe Paul. Take care. That is John Mark McCafferty. He is the CEO of Threshold. Your views are welcome on that. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Dave says, Hi, John Paul. I was an accidental landlord. I got out of it and sold the house. I support an NCT system that is not one-sided. It should apply to the house the landlord gives to the tenant and then it should apply to the house returned to them by the tenant, says Dave on text to 0862103103. 6210 Yeah, a very valid point, Dave, and I think a lot of people would agree with you on that as well if you're going to have it for the landlord. We've we've also heard from landlords in the past who have had bad tenants and it works both ways. So I think, yeah, if there's something like this brought in that they then ensure the house is given back as well to the tenants. And overall, there's some fantastic tenants out there and there is some fantastic landlords, but there's always one or two then that lead into a situation that those in those charities like Thresholds have to call uh, for an NCT-like system. Thank you for your calls uh, to 0818103103. Keep those coming as well by text or WhatsApp 0862103103. At C103 until 1, it's Cork today. Uh, JP with you and Bernie is taking those calls and comments on 0818103103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103 or you can always comment via the C103 app and a lot of calls and comments in regard Regarding our road networks, which we spoke about earlier, and the further funding that is required for Cork County Council to upkeep the roads following the heavy rain. It's a call being made from Cork South West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan. They want money like it was given back in August 2020 when areas of West Cork uh, suffered a lot of flooding in around the Ross Carberry area. They want similar calls now for that type of money to be reinvested again into uh, the region. And we have seen that money will be spent on East Cork, but also roads need to be maintained in the East Cork area as well. So a lot of calls uh, on the upkeep of our roads following the heavy rain. And as we go into the winter months with the weather is going to be bringing us, we presume anyhow, frost and further rain. But a lot of people have brought areas that they feel the money could be invested into uh, this morning to us. First of all, uh, the Key Levenog Road. This is the Drina Road. It needs to be uh, widened badly. Uh, says this person on text the money could be invested in this area while Fermoy could do with the money you mentioned to resurface the roads from the courthouse right up to the traffic lights at Cork Road in Fermoy it's in a really bad state at the moment and Thomas in Bantry he says the old Barrick Road at Reenrower East in Bantry has a stone ditch and it's bulging out in many places due to the recent bad weather uh, this is dangerous while you're walking first of all on that road uh, and that road is really only wide enough for one car uh, there are hundreds of houses now in that area and he feels with the road and this wall and everything else it's an accident uh, waiting to happen uh, and yeah I mean a lot of those areas Tommy mentioned I suppose there wasn't the, the level of housing that there is now there and the roads are, are not in a capacity to deal with them thank you for your call on 0818103103 and uh, a few people making the same point you know we all pay tax motor tax should that money not cover all roads or where is the money going one texter is saying and Tom says that we have a problem on our road at Bally Andrew in Donnerill it's been used as a rat run by lorries 
servicing the road development at Anakisha. He says, I asked them to use these kind of killer roads because Tom Fields, uh, their roads will just disintegrate with the level of traffic now using the road. And a lot of roads across Cork, but also across the country now with more people who have moved back to rural areas over the last while because they realise they can work from home for so many days a week. They're using those roads more than anybody you speak to outside of what you uh, give an example there of, Tom, most of those roads in the Webby News a lot more. People are either using back roads to avoid traffic or uh, they're using the roads because they're going from A to B. So roads that were not as busy now are and they need investment and sometimes those roads can get overlooked and that's where some of that money, if they get it, will go towards uh, those roads, uh, secondary routes and smaller back roads as we know them as uh, in and around uh, Cork City and County. And uh, a person here who says even before the floods, the roads between Mill Street and anywhere local are terrible. I used those roads and I know how many tyres do I have to put on my car as the potholes are full of water so you can't see them. The council could do their best but no good patching up roads around here, uh, says this person in the Mill Street area. It needs doing properly. Uh, they're a resident in Mill Street, not given the name, but they're a resident in Mill Street so they know full well uh, the road conditions in that area. And somebody else saying the roads are just seem to be in shocking repair everywhere. Uh, but any engineer out there, are they checking the work that is done by the workers, uh, says this texter. And if the work isn't up to standard or not done correctly, then those workers or whoever has the contract should not be paid. For example, also clearing and cleaning the drains uh, so the water has to go somewhere. That should all be carried out. Roads in the East Cork area are just in a terrible condition, says the texter from East Cork. And then uh, Councillor Declan Hurley, who was part of the Roads Committee within Cork County Council, he was listening to our conversation with Cork South West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan and uh, Councillor Hurley says that one of the most frustrating aspects of his role as councillor is the condition of the county roads. Our road infrastructure needs substantial investment and the stark reality is that if the 2008 level of funding had been maintained, an additional €273 million Euros would have been invested into Cork roads to date. The current Minister for Transport has ignored several requests from Cork County Council to meet with him and Declan says he has lost all confidence in him in giving any additional funding to Cork Roads because investments in our rural roads is not on his agenda. He wants buses and cycle lanes, but that's little use to us in rural areas. We continue to get fobbed off by the department every year with the percentage increase in funding from the previous year, which is pittance to what we are requesting to deal with our crumbling road infrastructure in Cork. Uh, from Councillor Declan Hurley on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and somebody else saying, I travel to Skibbereen twice a week. That road Road is a disgrace. A lot of people unhappy with the main N71 road via West Cork and that is one example there uh, that a commuter going to Skibbereen twice a week and I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. But then Dave in the city has a different uh, view on this because Dave says 
I find it extraordinary that it would be claimed Cork doesn't fare well on roads. The main road development in Galway City was in 1985 to accommodate 1970s traffic. Since moving to Cork, I have been struck by the investment in Cork, says Dave in the city. Uh, And when you say Cork, Dave, I presume you are in, in the city area. And there has been investment in and around the city areas. I mean, you'll see the South Ring Road, the tunnel, the Dunkettle interchange, the roads dumped towards Carrick Tool, uh, which is still being worked on at the moment. More or less fairly in good condition, kind of motorway quality, you could say. The motorway then to uh, Dublin and all the way via Fermoy and Mitchellstown. So yes, while there has been investment, and I think no one is denying that there hasn't been, there has been, but I think it's in other areas of Cork. And this is the reason, I suppose, Cork's such a big county. Uh, you would The areas I mentioned were invested in, but then I could also say, what about the North Ring Road? If you're in the city and you're travelling uh, from the Lower Glanmire Road or the Silver Springs area down to Blackpool and the North Ring, a road that is just in the last number of months and years jam-packed every evening and morning with continuous traffic jams, all simply down to volume and it just cannot cope with the volume of traffic. And then outer areas of Cork in the North Cork area uh, and again minor roads in the West Cork area and all various parts in East Cork, they haven't been invested in and, and, and that's the, where the investment they feel now at this stage is required. I mean, you could go on about looking at the motorway from, from Cork to Limerick uh, and the Cork to Mallow Road, noted now as one of the most dangerous roads in Ireland uh, when a survey came out there a number of years ago, if not in Europe, anyhow. Uh, but there has been investment. I mean, you, you to, uh, that is evident, but maybe evident in and around some of the city areas primarily the south side uh, and the uh, east side towards Little Island and towards Dublin on the motorway. But other areas certainly have been neglected. Uh, We don't have the capacity that you would have if you go to, if you travel through, let's say, from Limerick to Galway. Uh, That motorway is just fantastic, connecting all those various areas. Or indeed, if you're going through Port Leash or if you're on the motorway to to Nace and all of those areas, you know, they have uh, a good road network. But yeah, more needs to be done. But I suppose in, in Dave's point, he's not wrong either on that anyhow. Uh, your views are welcome. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, in hospitals, which we spoke about earlier, and this is the HSC who have issued a new policy sent to all hospital managers right across the country that for the winter period, any patients, and these will be mainly older patients uh, that have a delayed discharge, they'll be moved now into a step-down care facility in a nursing home. Uh, but the nursing home could be anywhere. And we made the example that if you're in clonicality, uh, you could be in CUH and then move to a nursing home in Formoy, which will impact on family visiting and, and people aren't happy uh, that they'll be moved away from the area as they know. And while this is not new, this is going on for a while and some people have been in nursing homes away from home and thought everything was okay and no one's questioning the care or anything. It's just the geography of the situation. Well, Kieran is in Bishopstown. He says hospitals are a place for sick people and not a substitute for adequate accommodation for older people. Yes, it's a temporary inconvenience for their families to travel further to visit them, but then maybe those families should help to provide care and accommodation. Freeing up beds means the next older person who goes to hospital with a hip fracture or an infection gets medical care when they need it, uh, says Kieran in Bishopstown. While also Julie agreeing more or less with, with what Kieran is saying, that this is a good idea and will free up beds and mean there will be more beds for people who really need them. Uh, surely uh, a week or two of inconvenience, families can live with that. So mixed views on that uh, directive from the HSC for the winter ahead. 
and also on meat eating. And this was a university in Durham in England where researchers have found that putting graphics detailing the impact of climate change on meat may encourage shoppers to find alternatives. And their study is bringing forward the idea of health warnings, similar to the ones you see in the cigarette packets, you know, that show the graphic of a lung being damaged after smoking, that this could be used to help reduce meat consumption. Well, a lot of various calls and texts on that and I'll get to those in the show but one here is saying it's only a waste of time and money pushing warning on meat because no one takes any notice of those warnings on the cigarette packaging so will they take any notice on meat? Smokers will buy and smoke cigarettes no matter what while Julie's saying I think it's incredible the feel that we could be now putting a label on meat that is not good to eat we produce the best beef in the world here in Ireland we export it to so many countries. At the moment, we have our ministers over in South Korea uh, trying to do a deal. So how then now are we looking to more or less tell people not to eat red meat? Uh, and somebody else here is saying it just sounds ludicrous that you would put a label, a climate warning on meat uh, to reduce consumption. Do we not know where we are? We're an agricultural country and we should be promoting uh, farming, dairying and indeed meat eating, uh, says that texter. A lot more on on that and I'll get back to those over the course of the morning. But your views are welcome on 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But as energy and gas price cuts all come into effect this month, are we still paying more? We probably are. We'll discuss that next with switcher.ie. And this coming Saturday from midday, Premier League Live, it's back on c103.ie with Trevor Welch. It's from midday, powered by Talk Sport. And this Saturday, Trevor will have live coverage of Fulham and Manchester United at 1230 Man City taking on Bournemouth at 3 and at 5.30. It's Newcastle United taking on Arsenal. The Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen this coming Saturday on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. C103 Jobs. And Charnival Plantire have a vacancy for an office administrator for full or part-time positions with flexi hours available to suit school hours if required. You can send your CV to dcarroll at cphlimited.ie. Builders, labourers wanted for the Mitchellstown area. Your own transport would be an advantage. You can ring, you can text or WhatsApp 086-878-6607 for further details. And full and part-time childcare assistant is wanted for the Carrick-Navarre area. Email tracy38murphy at yahoo.co.uk. You'll find these details and further jobs online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Cork Today on C103. There's respite for householders this month as energy price cuts come into effect. Customers will see their gas and electric bills fall. Owen Clark joins me from switcher.ie. Good morning to you, Owen. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us this morning. Yesterday, we saw Electric Ireland, SSD Electricity and Prepay Power all taking and issuing their price cuts and they are now in place. And of course, from next week, uh, we'll see Flowgas and Borgosh Energy drop their prices. So welcome news. But if you look back over the last number of years, we're probably all still paying a lot more uh, than we are now. 
Yes, it's roughly around double. I mean, obviously it's good news. I mean, uh, the, the, the price increases or decreases range from, from 10% to as high as 30%, but it's it's off different standard tariffs or unit rates. Um, we also have uh, bill credits as well that's going to be given to us in, in uh, three batches uh, over the winter months as well. So, I don't, those things combined will will help consumers, but the bills are still incredibly high. And now we're into obviously dark nights, colder weather, wet weather, etc. We're going to be spending more time inside, keeping ourselves warm. So our energy bills are going to skyrocket. And we've had some newcomers to the market over the last while. Do they shake the price up and do they shake things up as well within the market when a new entrant interest for gas and electricity? Yeah, so we, we, we had a new entrant called UNO, UNO Energy, and they're part of the, the prepay uh, power group. Uh, so they're offering residential uh, electricity. So any any new entrance is is good. Uh, they came into the market with with cheap rates, and and what we've seen even yesterday was a, another energy supplier launched a, a market leading uh, fixed uh, electricity rate, which is which is cheaper than that based on typical annual consumption. So it it has had a positive effect, but I mean. The energy regulator, which is the CRU, released some uh, stats about three or four months ago that said that switching levels in Ireland had had dropped dramatically. And what that means is that, you know, households aren't switching. They're not availing of the cheapest offers that are in the market. And if I look right now uh, between kind of typical standard tariffs and the cheapest tariffs in the market uh, for gas and electricity combined, there's a difference of about a saving of about €467 Euro per annum. So that's a large amount of money. So, uh, you know, if you haven't switched within the last 12 months, you're more than likely on your uh, supplier's standard tariff or a very low discounted tariff. And um, I think during the energy crisis as well, what we did see was energy discounts dropped. So, you know, it, it, you know, four years ago, we had seen discounts as high as, 45% off your unit rates, where it dropped to about 10% during the height of the crisis. Now we are seeing some green shoots in that area, so we're seeing uh, some energy plans that have discounts of 20%, and it's 20% off a much higher unit rate. So there's significant savings to be made if you haven't switched. Uh, and obviously then we have some good news uh, regarding the price decreases, and then we have some you know, energy credit from the group. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply government as well so hopefully those things combined will will make a difference for households during the winter months yeah and keep the bills down for us but uh, you mentioned there about switching a, a good issue too for a lot of people because when people go to switch they get confused sometimes but on your own website switcher.ie you can put in who you're with at the moment so you can say if you're with Electric Ireland and you know wh- how much consumption you, you feel uh, you used or if you want to use an average amount and then you know that will show you either by staying with Electric Ireland and getting a discount with them or the other providers because I know some people 
when we discussed switching, uh, they feel that they could be doing the wrong thing by switching, but you're, you're not really, you're, you're kind of getting a better price for yourself. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, the thing is, is that what you need to focus on is what unit rate you're going to be paying for the next 12 months. And is there a cheaper unit rate available? And the switcher.ie website will help you, um, it will help you uh, get all that information. It will save you time, save you money. We're accredited by the energy regulator, which means we're accurate, independent and impartial. So that switching process should take about five minutes. What I'd recommend for listeners is to have a copy of your gas bill and a copy of your electricity bill to hand on that. There's some and reference numbers that you would need to switch. And the other thing that you would need that kind of stops people from switching is a meter reading. So, you know, the meter reading might be outside the house and say, oh, I'll do that next week and, you know, don't get around to doing it. But as I said, there's significant savings to be made by switching. So if you haven't switched, now is a really good time because consumption is going to increase during the winter months. Make sure that you're on the cheapest possible rate. And I think it's important to notice as well that, the electricity that comes into your home and the gas comes into your home, it's still coming into the same cables and pipes. It's just that you're paying a cheaper rate for it. So why would you overpay? So it's it's just solid advice for consumers to, to make sure that they're on the cheapest possible unit rate for the winter months. And when you speak about unit rates there as well, something else we've seen slowly coming back is the bonuses that customers get when they switch. It's kind of like a credit. Uh, they were missing there for a while, but they're back now again with some. So if you if you were switching from one company to another, they may say, if you come to us, we'll give you 200 euros off your first few bills. That can help a lot of people because they know then they may have the first bill covered or are part of a bill covered. Yes, exactly. So I think the thing is, is that there's, there's not one energy plan that suits every household. So again, that's why the Switcher website is, is it's important to use that to ascertain which plan is, is right for you. Um, I typically, the, what, what you reference there is what's called welcome credit. So as you say, it can be as high as 250 euro, which is a really nice bonus to get into your account. Um, the thing is, is that if you take a plan like that, your unit rate might have a discount of 10%. Um, now, they might have an alternative plan that has no welcome credit, but it would have a 20% discount. So for somebody in a one-bedroom apartment and they have very low consumption, say, for example, the welcome credit might be the way to go for them. But if somebody's in a four-bedroom house with uh, three kids, their consumption is, is uh, at the higher end of the scale, well, then the, the discounted tariff rather than the the low discounted tariff and the welcome credit might be the way forward for that for that particular household. So again, it's important to compare all the plans that are available in the marketplace. And while we know we're still paying more, even though things are on the way down when it comes to energy prices, are we still paying above the EU average? Yeah, I think for gas, we're about fifth, uh, fifth most expensive. So I think the thing is, is that, you know, there's certain things that are within the consumer's control and certain things that aren't. The pricing that we that we receive from energy suppliers is outside our control, but things like switching, uh, trying to insulate your home, make sure you're more energy efficient within the home. So, you know, simple things like closing your curtains at night will help keep the heat in the house, you know, plugging out all your devices at night time, turning down your thermostat by 1% can save you 10% on your bill. So there's lots of different things that are within our control that we can uh, will help us reduce the size of our bills. But I think in terms of energy prices, 
you know, we're unlikely to see another set of price decreases this side of Christmas. So that's why I think it's really important to make sure that you're on that lowest unit rate. And with inflation cooling now, Owen, are we going to see a further positive effect in 2024 for energy prices? I, I think we will. Um, it's, 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 there's a little bit of crystal ball to that, but I think we will. I mean, they, they, there are some rumblings and signs that, you know, we'll see further decreases, um, you know, as we move towards spring of next year. Um, and typically when one larger energy supplier decreases prices, we see a knock-on domino effect that everybody will do it. So, um, you know, hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. And I know it's it's very hard to look ahead, but with everything happening in Gaza at the moment, do you think that could have an impact regarding oil prices next year, which then could again lead to higher energy prices? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the great unknown, isn't it, when it comes to things that are, as I say, external global factors. And I think that has played a, a significant part in, in, in energy prices and wholesale prices over the last kind of two years. Um, so I, I certainly wouldn't rule that out. But it, again, it's the crystal ball. It's very difficult yeah. to, to, to uh, ascertain what that might look like in six months. Well, we'll hope things will go in the right direction downwards for the next while. But uh, Owen, for the moment, thanks for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Take care. Owen Clark there joining us from switcher.ie and you can go on that website if you do want to switch or see what is out there offer-wise and as I say you can put in your own electricity company you are with or gas company you are with and then they will give you the best option for you to see if you can make a saving over the next while. Lines open on 0818103103. By the way, this week on Hours to Protect we're going to hear from a member of Composting Ireland who are working with schools around the country to educate on the benefits of composting. That's Ours to protect. It's this Friday here at C103 on this show at around quarter to midday. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at C103.ie. Cork today on C103. The Cork and Kerry food market returns to Cork City Hall this Saturday and Sunday. And Connor High joins me from the food market to look ahead. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning. How are you keeping? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Now, this really is a family day. There's a lot on offer. There's live cookery demonstrations and opportunity as well to explore, taste and learn about the flourishing food culture uh, that is here within our two counties in the southwest. There is. We've over 70 artisan local food and drink producers. So there's food and drink of every sort for everybody, for every taste preference. And it's from both Cork and Kerry counties over the two days. And we've a lot on offer here, so much local produce, Connor. because on the backdrop of our farming and fishing communities, with that, obviously the food is coming in and sourced locally. And you have a lot of live cookery demonstrations so people can see firsthand the food being cooked. And this is done by a lot of high profile chefs. Many will recognise these from TV. Yeah, we have some great local uh, celebrity chefs, if you like, local heroes, as we describe them, from uh, everything from the Sage restaurant, from the Lifeboat Inn, and you know all all the top restaurants really in in Cork and Kerry are represented, including the Brehan Hotel in Kerry, and um, you know that these are the, the the top and the best chefs really in in Munster who've who've given their time to come and uh, demonstrate some fantastic recipes of local produce. So all the recipes will be. Um, using local produce and local arts and food and drink, many of the products that are available to to taste and and buy, if you wish, at the 
at the food market. And outside of you know, live demonstrations, we also are going to see this weekend experts on hand. And we all know the face, Connor, about, you know, you are what you eat. There's going to be plenty of advice on what foods people should be eating with the changing seasons and what people require. There is. So we have the, the cool Deirdre from the cool food, cool food School. She's going to give some great talks for healthy eating for kids. And uh, we have uh, Coleman and Karen then they are going to talk about health and nutrition and uh, you are what you eat and, and how to improve uh, your own food and nutrition intake. So we, we, we've two areas for, for cookery and seminar demonstrations. So there's a cookie de- demonstration area and there's about 20 different cookie demos there. And then we have a food seminar, food talks area. And there's uh, one every hour in each in each location. So something for everybody and great, interesting topics being covered. And I presume there's various stalls then located within the City Hall this weekend where people can go up and, and chat to those or purchase items or, or taste food on the various stalls. Yeah, so we've over 70 local arts and food and drink uh, stalls. So you have, um, you name it, everything from whiskey to beer to uh, gluten-free vegan, vegetarian, every taste preference and food trend is catered for by local arts and producers, you know, local food heroes, really, as we describe them as. So they're they're small artisan uh, food producers who are, you know, you know, I suppose, providing local employment. And, and it's a great time to support local. And this is a great opportunity to do it and to meet your local food producer who's who's working hard to deliver local food in your area. You mentioned the artists and food producers there. I mean, there's so many right across Cork and Kerry. Uh, we've a rich heritage with food in the southwest, uh, Connor. And over the years on this show, we've broadcast live from the uh, Taste of West Cork uh, Food Festival in Skibbereen and the McCroom Food Festival oh, okay. and the, you know, the Mallow Racing Home uh, and the East Cork Festivals. And you meet the food producers, big and small. And it's amazing what's on our doorstep. And a lot of the time, until we went out live and broadcast from the various areas and, and did the research beforehand, you wouldn't realise that we have so many of these producers on our doorstep, as you say, providing this food, but also providing local employment. And the same can be said in Kerry uh, with the taste of Dingle, uh, for example, and, and other festivals in Clarny or Listol or Tralee. Yeah, and th- this is the, I suppose, the biggest I- indoor uh, food artisan market in, in Munster annually. And it's back now after a few years due to the COVID break. And it's great to have it back and, and have it back on the calendar in November and this is an opportunity to meet over 70 local producers who are giving out samples as well and you get to chat to them and talk to them about their food and drink and and, and what they make and how they make it and it's a great opportunity to to meet your local producers and, and also to maybe do a bit of Christmas shopping at this close to Christmas as well and support local business and local economy. Indeed, and across the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, the cooking demonstrations, you mentioned they had to go from hour by hour, are they on all day there within City Hall? All day, so every hour on the hour there's a cookery demonstration by one of the top local chefs, so you can uh, have the cookery demonstrations in the Millennium Hall, and then in the main hall you have the food stands, and in the foyer hall you have food talks and food seminars, but every hour on the hour there's a cookery demonstration, and every half hour there's a food seminar or a food talk on a different uh, subject, and then you can in between browse the 70 food and drink stands and enjoy lots of free samples which are being given out as well by all the local producers. So plenty on offer. It's at this weekend, the Cork Kerry Food Market at Cork City Hall. Uh, what time does the whole event actually open and close at there? 
So it opens at 10 a.m. and closes at 6 p.m. And uh, it's easy to access, obviously, the Cork City Hall. There's actually free park and ride on the Saturday uh, if you want to park in the Black Ash and, and get the bus in. Um, but it's well serviced, the local City Hall, with car parks and local uh, buses and, and parking. So it's, it's easy to get to and it's open all day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day. And you can pay on the door as well. You don't have to have pre-bought any tickets on uh, Eventbrite, you can just walk up to the door and pay on, on the way in. And what's the cost? It's free for kids and it's uh, 10 euros for adults. So it's it's not a huge amount. It's just enough to cover the cost of running the event. So 10 euros per, per adult and free for kids. Well, as I mentioned, we have so much great food and drink producers right across the southwest. So it will be a, a great weekend for all. So enjoy it, Connor. Best of luck with it. And again, the Cork Kerry Food Market this weekend at Cork City Hall. Uh, proudly supported by ourselves here at C103. Thanks, Connor, for uh, joining us great, this morning. Thanks. Take care. That's Connor Hyde there from the food market within City Hall. And uh, as I've mentioned, so many great local producers right across the southwest, uh, all of various areas of Cork, which I touched on there and you would have heard that over the year from over the years even from the shows we broadcast live from in the various towns and regions of Cork and meeting those local food producers and drink producers and a lot of them were new and starting up and weren't too sure how things were going and thankfully they've all flourished and now you will see them in the major supermarkets not only here in Ireland it's a lot of our local producers have ended up in the big supermarkets in the UK as well. Some because many of them are based here, uh, but some have uh, thankfully launched into the ones who are not based here in the UK, the likes of Sainsbury's and, and all of those and Asda. Uh, so if you are abroad and you do see the local food on the shelves, you kind of go, a bit of pride there of Cork food abroad. Uh, but with so much an offer, it's great we can showcase it. And that's this weekend within Cork City Hall. A lot on offer there. Best of luck to all involved. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A lot of calls and comments on various issues this morning. I also mentioned regarding Storm Kieran, uh, which luckily didn't cause a huge impact for us in Ireland. It could have easily caused a lot of impact, but thankfully it moved off course from us. But it has caused impact elsewhere in the south of England, in France and indeed on the Channel Islands. And listeners who were tuned to us in the south of England and indeed uh, on the Channel Islands have been in touch and we'll speak to them later on the show. Well, Mary was on the road earlier travelling to Cork and there has been an accident, a bad accident. She describes it at Bain Le Blanc. It's near the monument so emergency services are at the scene. Take care if you're travelling in that area around Bain Le Blanc this morning. And a number of people on to us from Curraheen in Bishopstown. No water in the area this morning. What is the reason? Well, Bernie contacted Ishka Aaron and a mains repair works. That is going on at the moment in that area but it will cause a disruption to Curryheen Crescent Curryheen Drive Curryheen Law in the surrounding areas of Bishopstown uh, so that is why you have no water there uh, the works are going to take place until 4 o'clock this afternoon and water should be restored after 4 o'clock around 5 o'clock in the Bishopstown area so the reason why you have no water in Curryheen this morning and I mentioned earlier regarding this study coming in from Durham University in England where they want to put a health warning on red meat to reduce consumption. It'll be like the ones on cigarette packs. Well, 
Uh, Pat is in Limerick. He goes, Hi JP, have you ever heard of such rubbish putting a climate health warning on red meat? What do they want us to eat? Uh, do they want to create a lab that will produce lookalike meat? And then we have our government over in South Korea pushing Irish beef while they want to cull the herd here in Ireland and then maybe put a label on red meat. It's unbelievable thinking behind it all, uh, says Pat in Limerick. And a lot of people making the point, though, like an earlier texter, no matter what they do, it won't make a difference. People will still buy red meat anyhow, as some people with those labels on the cigarettes still go out and smoke. Uh, thank you for your text, Pat, in Limerick on 0862103103. And regarding our roads and bad road conditions, uh, a lot of people agreeing with the point made earlier on our secondary roads. A lot of those roads and so-called by-roads, uh, they're all blocked off and flooded because uh, the drains etc. are not cleared. Why can't they get some money to go out and look after these roads instead of the money always going to the main roads? And that was a point made earlier as well and something hopefully the money that should be allocated uh, from central government towards Cork County Council uh, considering the heavy rainfall we had will go to those roads to keep them uh, safe uh, for all mainly. And on safety on roads, somebody says that there's a very dangerous pothole on the Curryheen Road near Bishopstown up near Umvar Drive. It's been like that for a number of weeks and it's an accident waiting to happen. It's in need of urgent repair and it's in the centre of the road which means people are avoiding the pothole and going into other lanes. Very dangerous in Curryheen Road in Bishopstown. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. Your calls are welcome also on 0818103103. Your pet questions for Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. She will be along after 12.30. If you have a question for Jane, get those into us now on text, WhatsApp, email or indeed phone. Also, a lot of the calls and comments across the morning will bring those to you after midday. And we did mention about Storm Ciarán and while we were lucky here in Cork, a number of our listeners in the south of England and indeed on the Channel Islands were not so lucky. We're going to hear the impact it did cause in Jersey from a listener after midday. It's Cork today until 1JP with you. Bernie taking your calls and comments and indeed your pet questions are welcome for Jane. Jane, who will join us after 12.30. You can call Bernie now on 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can email as well across the show, corktoday at c103.ie. And while we were lucky here in Ireland, we escaped Storm Ciarán rainfall only and that rainfall was nothing like what we saw over the last number of weeks or indeed earlier this week. But it did cause significant impact to the south of England, to the Channel Islands, and winds of up to 207 kilometres per hour were recorded in France from Storm Ciarán. Uh, a lot of damage done in Jersey as well on the Channel Islands, and one of our listeners, Tess, has contacted us, who lives in Jersey. Good morning or good afternoon at this stage to you, Tess. Good morning, JP. You've had a rough night there. You sent us a WhatsApp earlier. First of all, you're from Mallow originally, aren't you? And you're living in Jersey. Is it nearly 40 years? I am, yes. Originally from Longueville. And first of all, what took you to Jersey and whereabouts are you living? Well, I'm living in St. Helier. And I actually came over on a week's holiday. I got a job in state. (laughs) (laughs) And never returned. Well, for a holiday, yes. And you obviously love it that you went initially for a weekend. What made you stay on there? The love of the island, the love of the life? The money. 
Oh. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> I was working in the central in Mallow and I was getting 25 pound poons a week. And what was the so, pay in Jersey compared to that? Uh, 145 pounds oh. for nine, nine till two with a living accommodation. Oh, well, there you go. And That's hard to say no to. That was... That was a lot of money in 84. It was indeed a lot of money and especially if they're providing accommodation also. I think these days they're yeah. going back to that here. If you want a job, you're nearly asking the employer now, I'll take it, but, you know, provide accommodation the way things are gone. Anyhow, you're in Jersey, you're there for a long, long time, but you had a, a hay-raising night last night. Uh, Storm Kieran, as I mentioned, seemingly bypassed us. We had rain, but that was it. Uh, Jersey this morning, Tess, and I'm looking at uh, pictures coming in from local TV uh, in Jersey, uh, has devastated the island. Oh my God, it's just been unbelievable. Just describe the damage. Well, half the hospital roof is gone. The the Grand Hotel on the avenue, which is on the seafront, half of that is gone. Uh, Marks and Spencer's, the food shop, the roof was lifted off of that. There's been cars crushed, trees down, flooding, um, you know, just everything. And describe the feeling overnight. A lot of people were in their beds when the it seems the worst of the impact of the storm hit Jersey. And you sent on a video of uh, a, a mother lying in her bed, her baby in the cot next to her. And the window, with the force of the winds, the window was blown in. Yes, that was frightening to actually see that this morning. Frightening, yeah. Um, she was she was in bed and the window just blew in and she had one of these cot sides, you know, these cots that attach onto mm. the bed. Uh, the baby's only a few months old. She grabbed the baby and the next it was the window just came smashing in. It was frightening. God love her. And they're saying this morning, I'm not too sure if you've got this news yet, but at the moment they uh, haven't confirmed this, but there are reports that a tornado did strike the island last night and that's why the damage is so severe. I mean, you nearly agree with that, with what you're describing there. Apparently, at 12 o'clock last night, a tornado did. There's a video on it. I can send it on to you later on. There is a video of it. Um, and it, the caption is, where the sea meets the sky. And you can just see this this like a twister just come down and just suck up the water and it's just been absolutely just crazy crazy it has and were you in bed at that stage last night and how did the the weather impact you i mean have you damaged done to your home or were you awake all night well i went to bed early um and i woke up at 12 o'clock to hear scratching going on and i went out came into my lounge and there was a big tree branch on my balcony and it was scratching against the window. Um, just as a massive tree outside my window. Um, so I pushed that away to safety and I tried to get back to, to bed, but I couldn't. So I've been up since then. You were lucky the tree so, avoided your house. <clears throat> well, I actually thought the tree was going to come down because I've never seen it. In my 10 years here in this building, I've never seen it rock so much. And was there any physical damage done to your home or, or nearby there to your neighbours? Uh, not to me, but this morning when I got up, well, I went out this morning at 20 past four and there was two big lumps of, like, they were like steel girders on the road. Uh, one of them was in the middle of the road, the other one was hanging off a footpath and they reckon it's something that's come off the top of the block of flats opposite me. 
And Jersey, while the climate might be a bit different than where we are here in Ireland, overall the weather in the UK and Ireland can be quite similar. Uh, have you experienced anything like this before in Jersey? Yes, back in 1987, we had a a big storm. It was, I think, it was the 16th of October 1987. Um, it was the one that Michael Fish, the news, the weather forecast man, was. You know, it was uh, slated over that they didn't predict it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think that that hit Ireland as well at, at that time. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. But last night was just off the scale completely. So for people here, if they can remember that storm in 1987 uh, and the impact that had and the other storms we've had maybe here, but this is way worse than any of those, you feel? Oh, yeah, definitely. God. Last night was actually... was. was I'd say 10 times worse. Were you scared a point to last night with the winds getting so strong? Well, I, I was a bit. My daughter lives out by the airport, which is about three miles away. And she said to me, Mom, come up and stay with us for the night. But I didn't want to, do you know what I mean? I wanted mm. to be in my own home. But, you know, I did feel a bit a bit scared because the wind, wind was whistling. It was There was hailstone falling and honestly, there was the size of get, uh, golf balls. And they were just bounding off the windows. And I was half expecting the the windows to come crashing in on top of me. Due to the size of the, of the uh, hailstones? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually drew the curtains because I thought if it does come crashing in, at least, you know, I'll have a bit of security because the curtains would, you know, block off any shattering glass. Yeah, and, and protect you that way. And uh, there's a lot of boats, I believe, as well in the moorings in and around Jersey Harbour that have been just totally destroyed. Yes, there is, yeah. Yeah, there is. And there's no food on the shelves, you know, the shops. Everybody panicked by the boss uh, Monday, Tuesday and yesterday. So there's not a bite of bread to be got. There's so, very, very little milk. <laughs> what will you do for food if, as you mentioned there, one of the local retailers has, their building has been destroyed? I mean, is there any shops open? But can you get food into the area? Is there that level of damage where maybe food supplies can't get to certain areas? Uh, well, there's no boats now until Tuesday, as they're predicting. So there's not a lot left in the shops that are, you know, that will be trading. But most of them have decided to close down today for the safety of their staff. Of course. And what are, I mean, you mentioned hailstones. Had you heavy rain as well along with the wind last night? Or what was it just mainly wind and yeah. heavy showers? Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah both. It, and it's still lashing down now. Is it? Yeah, still lashing down. Have the winds eased? Yes, they have, yes. They have. But as I say, it's still very, very wind uh, sorry, very wet out there at the moment. It's supposed to clear off. I mean we had we had winds of hundred and four miles an hour. That would cause huge damage. You could understand why uh, there's so much uh, damage in and around the Channel Islands and also, you know, why they're saying there's a a tornado. And also, I think in France, nearby you there, up to 270 or 207 kilometres per hour was recorded. Uh, That's coming into us in the last hour or so. So, yeah, I I think we did dodge it here in Ireland, apart from uh, rain, which was nothing like we saw earlier on in the week. Um, What's your plan? So, uh, obviously, the tree has to be looked at in the the damage to any of the building will have to be looked at. What's your plan for the next few days now? Is just to assess everything, is it? Um, well, I suppose so, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, well, fortunately, it's my day off today because I work out at the other side of the island and trying to get down there this morning, you know, watching my friends on WhatsApp commenting that they've had to abandon cars, climb over trees, go up hedges, 
to get to work because we work in a in a, a, an old an old uh, folks home. Hmm. So luckily I'm off today. So. And obviously roads are in disrepair and flooding as well outside of trees being down. Yes. Yeah. Lots of flooding, lots of trees down. And for yourself and others, what's the calling from government in London uh, on this? There's going to be calls for funding and repair, but I mean, is the money there to, to cover the whole of, of the island and the whole of the south of England? Because I don't, don't think you'll be entitled to EU funding, someone is saying here. So it will have to come from local funding out of London. Well, we'll definitely get nothing from EU. We'll probably get nothing either from the government of Jersey because they're too busy spending it on a new hospital. Uh, you know, wasting money. They've mm-hmm. spent sixty-four, uh, sorry, one hundred and forty-four million on a new hospital, and there hasn't even been a sod turned on it yet. So, yeah, you could say the same with certain projects here in Ireland as well. It has happened, so uh, it's everywhere. So, do you feel the local government in Jersey will not have the money to to help you there, the residents? That it will have to come from elsewhere. Um, I th- they have the money, but they won't. I don't think they will. I you don't think, think they will. will. I, I know there'll be Red Cross and there there is schemes out there that will help residents anyhow, uh, outside of that, hopefully. Yeah, they'll, what they'll probably do is just let it up to indiv- each of individual uh, you know, insurance companies to sort it out. And have you flood insurance there or, or was that ever an issue before? I've not, I'm not, I've not got a flood insurance, but I've you know, got property insurance and things like that because I'm not on a flood uh, you know, a floodplain. I'm not. But would you be um, covered if there if there was flooding? Would your neighbours be covered for, for that damage? Um, more more so on the coast. I mean, mm. I'm lucky. I'm about a mile in from the coast, just on the other side of town. Um, so I'm lucky that way. But anybody that's around the coast area, you know, they would have been devastated this morning. So. Of yeah, of course. Well, Tess, uh, thank you for joining us and uh, bringing us up to date with what is happening in Jersey and the aftermath of Storm Kieron. And it, for, the most important thing is be safe and mind yourselves there over the next number of days. Thanks, JP. And just, just say hello to all my family over Cove, Ballyhooley, Mallow, my mum out in um, Woodlands, nursing home in Churchtown. Um, Sheila O'Sullivan. Hi, ma'am. <laughs> so a lot of family here still in Cork. Oh, loads of them, loads uh-huh. of them there is. I think that's what there's about eight, eight of them. I have, I have 11 brothers and two sisters. Oh, oh and <laughs> my family. sister in a dare. I better not forget my sister in a dare. Hi, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget the uh, person in a dare. That, that you'd never be forgiven. Uh, Tessa, thank you for joining us and uh, stay safe there in Jersey. Uh, Tessa, originally from Mallow, now living in Jersey, the impact of Storm Kieron. We, aren't we lucky that we didn't get that level uh, of wind and rain like they experienced in Jersey last night and uh, unofficially that tornado reports coming in that more than likely caused the damage uh, that Tess spoke about there and then that damage going on to parts of France as well. Uh, huge devastation this morning there in the Channel Islands and indeed from Jersey where we heard from Tess. I think we really escaped that one, uh, especially after what we experienced over the last number of days from Middleton. Anyhow, thanks to Tess for making contact with us. You can WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Uh, going back to the issue of our roads, uh, this was the discussion
discussion earlier for more funding for roads in Cork following the storms here in Ireland. And Martin Indemanway says, what good is it getting funding if there is no one to do the work when you get funding for those roads? There are only 13 outdoor staff in Dunmanway's council branch, says Martin, and you can't argue with water. It will go where it wants to go. Everyone blames the council, but when workers retire, they are not replaced, says Martin on to Bernie on 0818103103 from Dunmanway. And Heidi, regarding roads and regarding uh, the conversations we've had earlier uh, on if funding will be made available to Cork Roads by the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan, well, Heidi feels, feels that him and the Greens, uh, that they always keep uh, harping on about carbon clean air and indeed the climate, says Heidi. Well, uh, she wants to know if uh, the Green Party have looked into electric batteries on these scooters and bicycles because reading up on it, she says they're causing fires in many homes uh, in the UK. Uh, not a problem problem here is yes, but with a larger population in the UK, it is happening so much for clean air and climate, says Heidi. And yeah, and that is mainly because they're being charged overnight. And that can be said too for mobile phones. If you charge a mobile phone overnight, we've had that here uh, where they can go on fire. A lot of that is due to charging. So if you're going to charge something overnight, uh, there is that possibility that it may happen. And, and yes, that is happening in a lot of countries across the world. More or less to do with the charging, though, than the actual physical device. And a listener here is saying uh, there's around a dozen electricity suppliers in Ireland. So if there was less suppliers and less costs, the cost of electricity would decrease if everyone cooperates, feels this person. Why have so many suppliers if we're still the fifth most expensive in the EU? It doesn't make sense, feels this listener. Uh, well, we have a number of suppliers, but I suppose compared to other countries, then we don't. A lot of other countries would have a, a lot more uh, than we would here in Ireland. Our problem is population. We have a small population. Our population is the same size or, or roughly uh, as a city. Uh, in the UK is obviously a large city in the UK Uh, so it's hard to compare from one country to another but yes we, we are one of the most expensive in the EU uh, and I'm not too sure if people would agree if you had less would it be more if you had less th- th- there could be a monopoly uh, and I think those in the switching game would say the more you have the more competition there is because the latest entrant to the market did shake things up a small bit and then we saw uh, a lot of the existing companies reducing uh, their prices so uh, maybe having that competition is good and competition is healthy anyhow uh, but thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 I have more emails on roads that have come into us following a conversation yesterday uh, with Councillor Pat Hayes in Mallow when I mentioned the Transport Minister there. He called for him to be removed uh, from that post on the show yesterday. I'll bring you those emails shortly. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Mallow Art Club it has resumed and it's art demonstrations. They're in their new venue at the West End Art Gallery in Mallow. There's one tonight that opens from 7pm and starts at 7.30. An information evening on women's health and the menopause will be held in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow on this coming Friday at 7 o'clock. Dr Deirdre Lundy, who specialises in women's reproductive health, will attend and all proceeds go to the Hope Foundation. Tickets are €25 and you can get them at Park West Flowers in 
Mallow or indeed on Eventbrite. The McCroom branch of the Irish Guide Dogs will hold a fundraising evening of Flora and Song. That's on this coming Friday at 8 o'clock in the Castle Hotel in McCroom and the event includes a flower demonstration on the night also. And St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown, they will host an evening with Francis Black on this coming Saturday. It starts there at 8 o'clock. Tickets available from local outlets and Reggie for President will be at the Glen Theatre in Bantir. That's also on this Saturday at 8 o'clock. You can contact them on 029-56239 for further information and tickets. And Clonakilty Special Olympics are holding uh, a meet-up and this is a follow-up to their meeting they had. It's going to be held on this coming Wednesday uh, at 8 o'clock in the local community youth centre in Clonakilty. And in the meantime, they are appealing to people who were previously involved in the club to renew expired memberships. And you can do that by emailing renewal at specialolympics.ie. But anyone who would like to get involved or is interested is asked to go along there. And that's next Wednesday at 8 o'clock in the local community youth centre in Clonakilty. If you want to include your event in the Cork Diary, you can email diary at c103.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. We spoke with Threshold earlier who want an NCT type system for landlords renting out their homes. Well, on this, Morris by email says if they want an NCT system imposed on landlords, this will impose more costs on, on already frustrated and bad mouthed landlords. It's an insane idea as my rented apartment is in better condition than my own house I live in. It's either not for all properties or none at all, says Morris on email to Cork today at c103.ie on that idea from a threshold. And yesterday on the programme we were speaking to Malau Councillor Pat Hayes and we were discussing the derelict site order on the Central Hotel in Malau and the issue of traffic came into the conversation regarding the plaza and the fact that there is a traffic build-up in Malau. And of course a lot of this is due to the fact that the Northern Relief Road for Malau has not yet been given the funding to give to go ahead and something as well. This morning we are hearing from a lot of listeners that Cork isn't getting enough funding when it comes to roads, given the size of the county. Uh, but when we were speaking with Councillor Pat Hayes yesterday, he did ask uh, for Eamon Ryan at this stage to be removed from his transport ministry. Uh, this is what Councillor Hayes said yesterday on the show, if you missed it. Our Minister for Transport, that the Northern Relief Road is, is, is really the, the key to this. We have been pushing for that. We were to get 1.1 million this year, and they, he, he, Minister Ryan left us short a million. He only he, he gave us 100,000. Uh, he issued a Section 28 letter, uh, more or less stopping the project. Um, and um, if we had an ordinary relief road, you know, I don't think the plaza will really come into play because the heavy traffic is really what's causing the congestion in, in, in Mallow. The lorries, the articulated trucks, it's, it's a danger to pedestrians, it's a danger to everybody. Uh, they're coming down the main street in, in, in 2023. This is an absolute disgrace. I think the Northern Relief Road is key for Mallow, and I think the, the sooner um, that we remove uh, Minister Ryan as, as Minister for Transport, the better for the country as a whole, because he has no interest in developing infrastructure in Ireland. And infrastructure is the key to jobs, to development, and the future development. Uh, of North Cork is and and of Mallow 
that Northern Relief Road is key to the future development of North Cork and Mallow. That was Mallow Councillor Pat Hayes speaking with us yesterday and a lot of reaction to this from people who were listening to the podcast yesterday afternoon. You can always listen back on the C103 app or at c103.ie. Nula on email to Cork Today at c103.ie says she was delighted to hear at last someone speak out and called for the removal of Eamon Ryan from the Transport Ministry. I actually like Eamon Ryan, says Nula, and I do welcome what he has done in relation to low affairs on public transport for young people and indeed with the new local link buses. But does he not realise that we also have roads in this country? Many towns have lost big factories locating due to a bad road infrastructure and indeed Councillor Pat Hayes was so right yesterday when he said infrastructure brings jobs. While we do need to be thinking towards the future, Newlis says we still have areas of Ireland that are bottlenecks with people driving on poor roads which many times can result in accidents. Also, if the Greens are so worried about pollution, why have trucks sitting on a main street of any town for 5 to 20 minutes as the emissions roll out of the truck where if a relief road was in place, we would have no emissions off the main street. Traffic would also move more freely. Uh, Nula on email to Cork Today at c103.ie. And also via email, Marion says that making the point also on the traffic jams and then adding to pollution, she says, look at the new McCroom bypass, which will open entirely on Monday next, bypassing McCroom and Ballyvorney. But you can already notice the air quality during the day in McCroom with less traffic and trucks going through the town. The bypass already has made a huge difference to us in McCroom from Marion. Your viewers are welcome on that you can always email across the day corktoday at c103.ie but your pet questions are welcome because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us next Cork Today on C103 and as usual on a Thursday we are joined by Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group good afternoon to you Jane Good afternoon, John Paul. And a lot of worries last week from people who were concerned about the fireworks, uh, which of course were out in force, unfortunately, on Tuesday night uh, for a lot of people. Some had dogs that were quite upset. And one of those, Jane, is John, who says his dog is still very scared to go out uh, following fireworks in our area over the last while. So, Jane, you were speaking about this last week on the show, and I know you would have seen people coming into your own practice there as well who, who have and have seen this. What advice would you give for John? to bring his own Labrador now back out and relax him, I suppose. I think the main thing really is to give him a bit of time. It's understandable that if this little guy was really, really worried with the loud noises and bangs and vibrations of the fireworks, that he's associating that with being outside. Um, I think it may just be a little bit of time. You'll probably find towards the latter end of the week, things will begin to settle down. He may just return to normal once he knows that no further big bangers are about to happen. Um, But I think really just giving him a sense of routine back is a really helpful thing as well maybe even accompanying him, let's say, if he if he usually, let's say, roams free in the garden to do his peas and poos and then comes back in, maybe accompany him, put him on a lead. Sometimes that can give dogs a sense of security. I know one of my own dogs, Margot, like she's very, very nervous of loud noises. Even wind, in windy weather, she gets very, very nervous. She won't go out on her own, but if I clip a lead on, she's mad for road. So sometimes that little bit of extra security that they know they're not going to be alone can help if that's an issue. But I think just a little bit of structure and routine back in so that they, you know, these dogs are creatures of habit. 
they really thrive off routine and thrive off keeping everything the same, particularly when they're nervous or afraid. So be there for them. Don't push them to go out if they really, really don't want to. Um, time will help a lot, but try and take them for their little walk in the morning. Try and take them for their little walk in the evening if they're feeling like they're secure enough to do so. But unfortunately, it's something that rocks around every year. It's always a very stressful time of year for these pets. Um, but thankfully, they do seem to relax after a few days. Okay, John, hopefully that helps you there. And uh, Noreen, uh, Jane, Noreen has a healthy outside cat. Now, the cat is very affectionate, but uh, he's shedding his fur all year round. So when he rubs up against Noreen, she's covered in fur. Is there any solution to help him? That can be quite normal, actually. Um, if he's healthy and otherwise well in himself, he might just not be a particularly fastidious groomer. A lot of these cats will kind of groom themselves a lot and hence will get rid of a lot of the hair so that when they rub up on us, there's a, not a lot of hair left behind. Um, sometimes, if the, let's say it was an older or an unwell cat, if they become stiff or have creaky joints, they're less capable of grooming themselves. So sometimes that can mean that they have more hair left on them and they're shedding the whole time. Um, but if he's otherwise well, otherwise well and young, it's probably just that he's not the tidiest cat in the world for keeping himself clean. And, and that's OK. I think the one thing to be wary of is just in case there's an underlying cause for excessive hair shedding. Now, it is normal that they will shed hair. They do tend to have hair turnover uh, across various periods of the year. But what I will say is if you notice this little kitty cat scratching, then that's a big red flag because sometimes they can lose excess hair when they've been scratching or tearing at themselves because they're itchy. And I suppose common things are common. Main thing to get them sorted out would be some parasite prevention control. So fleas, mite, lice would be the main things that would start off those problems. But it can be some other things, let's say, like bacterial or yeast overgrowth that might require a little bit more investigation with a vet. But, uh, you know, I think first things first, keep a little eye on him, see if he's itching or if he's just a happy little cat. If he looks like just a happy little cat and he's otherwise well himself, he's probably just a little bit lazy with his own grooming and it's nothing to worry about. Okay, and Tess, I'm not too sure if you'll know of any right now for this, Jane, but Tess is wondering uh, if you're aware of any place doing subsidised cat neutering at the moment because she gets a lot of stray cats calling and she can't be neutering them all the time. Uh, I I wish I did. Unfortunately, certainly in our local area, I'm not aware of anyone doing that. Yeah, and Um, I'm not either. If there's anybody, let us know. And I know in in Bantry, there usually is in any other areas we usually discuss with this, it's September. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, if there's anybody in the noise, let us know. Absolutely. And I think speak to your own local vet because every local area is a little bit different. They might be aware of schemes that are happening in your local area. But another good point to call really is if there's a local cat charity, again, your own local vet will know who's active around you. Sometimes they'll run subsidised trap neuter release schemes, usually for large groups of cats, but sometimes they might be in a position to help out with smaller groups of cats. So well done for thinking about getting them neutered. It's definitely a good step on the road to getting our, our unwanted cat population under control and helping these little guys out. But I think your local vet is a good port of call because they'll know what's active closer to you. Okay, and from cats back to dogs and back to a Labrador and this is Niall in Carrick Tool who has a five-year-old Labrador but Niall feels uh, that he may have a horse throat. The only reason he's saying this is because his bark is hoarse. Now they went for a walk last week and they got caught out in a very heavy shower uh, of rain obviously and then they had to dry him off because his coat was absolutely soaked, says Niall. Uh, but he's wondering, could this be the result of him being hoarse and if he is, any recommendations? Okay, so a horse bark or a change in in bark pitch can be a problem with the throat um, or the back of the mouth. I would say for this little guy, if this is a change for him, I would advise he sees a vet. 
Now, the reason for that is it could be something very simple. It could just be a little chill he's caught and there's a little bit of inflammation in the throat. But sometimes we can get more serious problems in the throat that might have other subtle signs of physical examination that can change the way our throat moves as we breathe. And that can lead to a change of vocalization, a change in the pitch of the bark, a change in the hoarseness of it. And that's important to pick up on because that can cause, let's say, problems with breathing as it progresses. That said, I think if you know you've you've had an obvious incident where he might have been a little bit under the weather after being out in the rain and might have been a little bit let's say more prone to picking something up whether it be a little bug or a sniffle so it is possible it could just be something simple it could just be a little bit of a swelling at the back of the throat that's caused him to go a little bit hoarse but I think you know it's one of those things if it's a change for your pet I think a bit a, tri- a trip to the vet is the best thing just to put everybody's mind at rest. Okay and uh, Ina uh, wants to know the best food to give a dog who has been diagnosed with a yeast infection and uh, she's a golden retriever is Ina's dog. Okay, so as as regards yeast infections, dogs can get lots of different types of yeast infections. So they can be, let's say, all over their skin. Um, they could be in their ears, for example. So it's difficult to know exactly where this. Yeast and the rest is, of this text what... actually has just come in, Jane. So it actually is yeah. her skin. So her colour of her skin has changed, and with this, uh, she's licking underneath as well because that area got okay. infected. Oh, bless her. Okay, right. I'm sorry to hear she's not so well at the moment. Um, If it is skin related, as far as I'm aware, there's no real proven benefit um, with one diet over another for yeast specifically. Um, I know that in humans, there are different, let's say, dietary additives you can put in to, to change uh, or to to reduce the incidence of yeast infections. But in dogs, the same thing just doesn't seem to follow through. What I would say, though, is yeast infections, they can just be one off on the skin or they can be a symptom of some underlying skin issue where we're having a skin barrier. that's not so happy. So there's getting yeast infection on top of it. And that's something that diet can sometimes be helpful with. And I say sometimes, not in all cases. Sometimes you can get di- like skin diets or um, sensitive, sensitive skin diets that can be helpful, but they're only really helpful in dogs where they have a, a sensitivity to something in their diet. And that can be very difficult to prove. And it certainly doesn't solve all cases because lots of dogs can have a sensitivity to, to something else out in the environment that might not be food at all. I think what I would say is that it sounds like you've been to a vet already to diagnose yeast infection. And that's a great step. If you haven't, it's really essential that you do because we need to get this pet some some comfort. So probably some anti-itching medication and some medication for, for the yeast to get that sorted. And sometimes that'll be by mouth. Most of the time, that'll be by shampoo. But it's really important that you follow your vet's advice on that. Have a chat with him or her about diet for your pet. The situation is probably just a little bit more complex than, let's say, just changing a food and not fixing all the problems. So if you do want to try something like a diet trial, there's something I wouldn't embark upon just on your own. I do that strongly in 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 conjunction with your vet because it can be tricky to tricky to do and tricky to interpret. So if you do worry that your pet might be sensitive to something in their food, which is setting off these yeast yeast infections, have a chat with your vet first because it's it's a, a careful process to know whether your pet is allergic to something in the food and it's it's best to do it in the right way under veterinary supervision. And just going back to the uh, horse barking there that we had with Niall in Carrigtool, Mags has a dog 15 years old and sometimes his uh, bark can be hoarse. She wants to know, is that normal? I wouldn't say it's particularly normal. If it's coming and going, it could just be that he has a little bit of swelling in his throat every now and again. Now, that would be slightly unusual to be happening repeatedly. So again, I'd probably say a visit to the vet is in order. 
I'd be more concerned if it was a hoarseness that persisted. That would that would signal to me that there's something going on there that that's a problem. Um, so I would say if it's happening quite frequently for your pet, it's still definitely worth getting checked out. But if it's something persistent for your pet that's not getting better, it absolutely needs a visit to the vet, and that really really needs checking out. Okay, Jane. Uh, for the moment, we'll leave it there. But thanks for joining us, and of course, we'll chat to you again next week. Thank you very much. Take Apple. care, Jane. That is Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And just reacting to various questions that come in for Jane, uh, some people that feel they may be able to help. And this was regarding the yeast infection. Uh, Stephanie had similar with her dog and she tried Caniston cream. Uh, it's an antifungal cream. It worked great for her Westie dog. It's in some pharmacies. Now, as Jane said, check with the vet and everything like that. But if it is of help to uh, anybody else, Stephanie recommends that. And regarding neutering, uh, the Cork Action, uh, the, the Cat Action Trust, of course, first of all, who have a branch here in Cork, uh, they are great for neutering. So if you want to contact the Cat Action Trust, the Cork branch, uh, they may know someplace uh, that is at the moment uh, neutering cats uh, at a lower cost. That was for Tess, who was on to us earlier. Uh, thank you for those texts. Uh, that's it for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced it. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara, and we'll chat to you tomorrow morning with Cork Today from 10am. Take care.